Well, hello and welcome to Social Now. Today, I have a very special guest, my good friend, Dahlia Saper from Chicago. And Dahlia is an intellectual property, media, and entertainment and business attorney who founded her namesake law firm, Saper Law, in 2005. She's nationally recognized for drafting and negotiating complex contracts, helping brands protect their trademark and copyrights online, and litigating cutting-edge cases involving anonymous online defamation, revenge porn, sexting, cyberbullying, and other emerging internet law issues. Dahlia made international headlines when she represented a catfishing victim before the Illinois Supreme Court. In addition to managing Saper Law for the last 16 years, Dahlia has served as an adjunct professor of entertainment and internet law at Loyola University Chicago School of Law since 2010. One of the things I love about her as a PR person is she's a commentator for national news networks and she's a frequent speaker, panelist, and instructor for businesses and institutions around the world. And she's a fantastic speaker. Law Bulletin Publishing Company named Dahlia one of its 40 attorneys under 40, an incredibly competitive list of accomplished attorneys compiled from thousands of highly qualified nominations. Super Lawyers Magazine has named Dahlia to its list for 13 consecutive years. Most recently, Cranes named Dahlia to its list of the 60 most influential women lawyers. So I, and one thing you didn't put in this, and I don't know why, is you host the most fantastic Christmas parties and you even have videos with people who are there. The only reason I went to your party was to be in the video. I'm kidding about that. But there were times I remember once I ran downtown just to go and say hi. And you did put me in the video, which was very nice. But I wasn't there that long, but I could tell that it was a premiere party. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for throwing the parties. And um, thank you for being my friend. We serve together on the Chicago Social Media Club board. Thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. So, you know, social media is all fun and games. It's all about posting fun stuff and pictures of dogs and cats. But there is a legal side to it that a lot of us don't really think about. So that's why I wanted to have Dahlia on to talk to us about, you know, what um, is the difference between copyright infringement and fair use from sharing content online? That's a big issue. I mean, there's a lot of photos out there that we can share. So could you walk us through what we should and should not do? Right. So there's this um, misunderstanding that because we are on social and the point of social is to share content, that if I find something I like online, then I should freely be able to re redisseminate it to different platforms. And mm -hmm. if you upset and that that's actually just wrong because it it's is? available okay. doesn't mean that you can share it. Now, there's sometimes these implied licenses in the sense that if you're just Joe Schmo and you found this cute meme and you post it on your Facebook page, odds of you getting in trouble are, are extremely low. But as more of us are turning to social media to be our primary advertising and marketing vehicle, I can assure you that you will face some sort of legal trouble if you take the wrong photographer's image or the wrong uh, meme, because it's becoming big business for these rights organizations representing a whole bunch of different photographers or content creators to use technology, find that image on your platforms, your website, your blog, your social, and send you scary demand letters asking for lots and lots of money. So I would say that just because you can right click save or click and forward and share does not mean you should in all instances. So what if you really, really like it? How can you get, would you recommend getting permission or how, how can you share something that you like? Yeah, best practice, 
quick DM, quick message to the uh, owner of the, the content. If it is theirs, right? You may not even know if it's the person who you took it from has the right to republish it and post it, but it helps to try to ask. And mm -hmm. also, I mean, sometimes it does, you don't want to ask, you want to be kind of under the radar, depending on the content. But I would say, if you're not sure, and the stakes are high, you're not just an individual, you are a business, don't use it if you don't have permission. Okay, that's, that's great advice. And you do see things, one of the things that I have a little problem with is, people will quote someone famous, and they attribute it to themselves, but it's, it's not their quote. So um, that's just my little thing, <laughs> but, you know, so uh, get permission. I would say, yeah, I'd say when things like that, the internet will backlash against you, right? If you're trying to uh, appropriate something that's clearly not yours, forget legal, you're going to look stupid because if, if there's any sort of, uh, you know, the marketplace will correct itself concept, it's that, it's, it's come on, you're, you're not Maya Angelou, you're not, you know, Martin Luther King, stop, <laughs> stop trying to claim that. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one thing that I, I come in contact with as a blogger and a brand influencer is FTC disclosure guidelines. So it used to be like anything over $25, you needed to disclose that there was a relationship. What, what are the guidelines that we're working with today? And if you yeah, well, there's actually no monetary component to the disclosure. So there's no $25 like bright line rule, but what just for the, the viewers, the FTC disclosure rules state that if you are an influencer, you're a blogger, you're just Joe Schmo, and you are advertising or endorsing any sort of product, and you've been incentivized in any way to do that, to make that post, to, to talk positively about the product, then you need to state, hey, I got a year's worth of diapers in exchange for talking about these diapers or this drink or whatever the product or service might be. And there's a whole bunch of guidelines around what those disclosures need to look like. You can't bury it at the bottom of the post. You can't put it in a way that's not clear and conspicuous to viewers of that post. Uh, and it's not just about getting money. It's also about getting free things, getting perks, the test is really, was there a material connection between you, the poster, the endorser, and the brand or agency that asked you to make that comment post endorsement? So can you just use a hashtag like hashtag spawn or hashtag ad? Is that enough? That can be enough. Now, if you put that hashtag again at the bottom somewhere where someone has to scroll four pages down to see that hashtag, that would not be compliant. But for the most part, putting hashtag ad, this weight loss supplement, you know, helped me lose 200 pounds, fine. Because someone viewing it understands that that's not a, a independent endorsement. It's a encouraged and uh, incentivized endorsement. So when I get free passes to go to an event, then um, do I have to, let's say that I'm doing a bunch of photos and uh, interviews, do I need to hashtag spawn or add on every single one of those if I got free admission or how does that work? Technically, yes. If you're, you know, there, there's some murkiness, like if you are press and you're, you know, it's kind of obvious that you're covering the event on behalf of a certain publication or your own media outlet, the, the smell test will be, hey, you know, I can, as a viewer of this, I can see that you probably were asked to come and cover the event. But, you know, it's to be safe. Hey, you can say I was asked to cover the event and here's what I found. 
and then you can do it that way where people understand that you were allowed to come as a, a free participant. And do you need to say it then if you're doing a video? Maybe you could say brought to you by. Could you yep. say something so the, like the that? The rules have been updated repeatedly as social media has evolved. First, it was about um, framing. So the first iteration of the rules were very, you know, when websites would frame another website, and so you'd have to explain where that link came from. Then mm -hmm. we had, you know, Twitter and these micro social media platforms where you can microblog. And they said, no, just because you have a finite amount of uh, space doesn't mean you get away with with not putting the disclosure in there. So mm -hmm. that's why the hashtag ad came. And then we've got Snapchat and TikTok. And so they want you to overlay that hashtag on the video itself in the opening few seconds. So again, wow. not buried at the end, not put in the caption underneath, but somewhere clear and conspicuous to the viewer of that video. Mm. Well, that's really great guidance. And I wish more people would do it because I'm always like, how did you get that? You know, so uh, what happens if you don't disclose? What's the biggest fine or the biggest repercussion that you would face? Yeah. So the FTC could come down hard on you. They have come down hard with this fines in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. You could be sued by competitors for unfair competition for not um, correctly disclosing what's what you're advertising. So there's a whole slew of state consumer protection laws that could be implicated, um, false advertising laws that could be implicated. So it's just bad. It's a bad idea not to be clear and transparent with where these ads are coming. Right. From. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to stay away from that. <laughs> so, um, Talia, I know you do a lot of work with creatives, and I'm wondering at what point do we really need to have a brand or a trademark, and what part of our business do we need to brand and trademark? Yeah, so I would say the first understanding the different buckets of IP protection, intellectual property protection, is really important. You would want to get a trademark to protect the brand, the goodwill, and the name you're using to sell your products or services. And you want to do that right away because even though you're a small business today, the goal is that you won't be a small business two, three, four, five years from now. And mm -hmm. if you don't take adequate measures to protect that brand in, at the beginning, you might be in a position where you have to rebrand in two years because somebody else had already used this name and they come out of the woodwork and tell you stop or change. Mm -hmm. So I would say uh, brand protection is very important to do that and to get protection all over the country instead of just where you're selling is you would want to, to get a federal trademark registration. And that process okay. isn't that hard or scary and the whole scheme of things not so expensive. So I would get a trademark uh, federal trademark registration right away. And then I would also take inventory of my uh, creative assets, whether that's website content, photographs, videos, uh, all of that would fall under the bucket of a copyright. And copyrights are relatively inexpensive as well. You can do those by yourself instead of really needing an attorney. Copyright.gov, 65 bucks usually per application. And you, you protect your website, your photos, your manuals, any sort of business content that gives you that competitive advantage that you've spent time developing that would be um, hurtful to you if someone else copied and did so without authorization. 
Yeah, that's that's great. That's a great reminder. I used to have that and I let it go and I didn't think about renewing it till you mentioned it. So because I take a lot of photos. Well, back to the brand for a minute and, and the trademark. Are you talking about like if, if the business is named after you, like say Perla, I don't know if you would need to brand or trademark that. And then if you have a tagline, is that something that you would trademark? So what kinds yeah. of things would you or like if you're a speaker and you have a, a program or course? All of those things. So just, you know, okay. CEPRA law, we've, we've registered trademarks on behalf of uh, professional services organizations, widget makers, you know, any anybody who's using a brand name that means something to them, right? I actually have, uh, just because you have a, the same a, a last name in and of itself doesn't mean that you're the only one who can use that last name. Well, that's best, true. Yeah. The best example would probably be in the fashion space, right? So you could be Donna Karen, that could be your name. But even though that's your name, you're not going to be able to use that name to sell clothing because there is a DKNY out there already and you okay. using your own name would cause consumer confusion. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the more equity you build in that brand, the more valuable it is and the more important it is for you to protect it. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And with the name like Rosconi, I don't run into many other. You're probably Rosconi. okay with Rosconi. <laughs> if you have a, you know, a name that's more like McDonald's, you, you got to be a little careful with how you approach naming your business. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what other kind of services do you offer to small businesses and creatives that we might not have thought that we needed? Yeah, well, I guess the biggest thing would be after protecting your IP is setting up that corporate structure, making sure you are properly uh, keeping your money for you versus money for your business and separate business accounts, partnership agreements, contracts, anything and any anytime you're doing business with other people, whether it's a business partner or a vendor or a contractor, contracts, contracts, contracts are so important because if you don't have certain contracts in place, you might not have the copyrights that you are working so hard in developing. Best example would be you hire someone to create content for your for your website or for your social media platforms. If you don't have a work for hire agreement with those contractors, even though you may have paid them a million dollars, they technically own the copyright and not you. Oh, wow. That's not good. Right. And a lot of small businesses don't realize that they say, well, I paid I paid him or her to do this for me, then it's mine. And actually, that's not true. Wow. Wow. Have you seen that COVID has had any impact on contracts? I know one thing I've seen as a speaker is I didn't think to put um, a time guideline in it. And so then, you know, a year later, because of COVID, it was on pause. Now we're coming back. But what kinds of things have you seen that have come out or protections that are new that we should be aware of? Well, there's always this boilerplate uh paragraph in most contracts. It's called force majeure. And nine out of 10, you just, you look at it, oh, okay, force majeure, and you don't think about mm -hmm. it. And for the first time, that little boilerplate provision had has come into play. And what it basically says is, in the event of an act of God or a riot or some sort of war, some external factor that couldn't be anticipated, the contract will either be rescinded or paused and neither party will be liable to the other for outstanding payments or for completion of whatever it might be, the event, for example. And so a lot of times that boilerplate would say no refunds in the event of a whatever, you know, COVID-19, right? So now we're actually making sure that those provisions are adequately drafted to protect, it depends on which side we're on, to protect both sides such that 
all right, time limit. Okay, if there is an act of God, this will be delayed by whatever months, or this contract's only good for so many days, um, mm -hmm. or there will be a refund, or there won't be, whatever. Uh, but so that's the main addition, I'd say, to contracts that are that we didn't really pay attention to before. Okay. Wow, this is all really, really great law stuff and things that we hadn't thought of. And so one of the things I admire about you is how much press you get and how much attention you get. So could you tell us, how do the reporters find you? I think they just have you on like on their speed dial. I don't know if people do speed dial, but I know that you're they on their do, They do, they do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> reporters are busy and if they have a go-to person, it makes their job a lot easier. Yeah. So for me, I was lucky in that some of the cases that I, that I, like, for example, that case that you mentioned, I took to the Illinois Supreme Court, that put me on a lot of producers speed dial, not from anything I did, just by virtue of this case getting a lot of national and global attention. Mm -hmm. um, so but but once you get those contacts, it's important to foster that relationship with media. It's all about who's in the editorial room or what, who's the producer uh, tasked with finding the right stories and the experts for those stories. So for me, I, I made these relationships, I've kept those relationships, and now, yes, when there's a Facebook issue, a social media issue, they go down their Rolodex, okay, Dahlia knows how to talk about these topics, give her a call. And so what's hot right now in the news? Huh. Um, really, it's anything and everything, uh, either the business of social media, so whenever there's a Facebook and, and uh Apple battle. So like if there's there's new technology restricting access to third party apps or how content's being delivered. So privacy issues, the nature of the content being delivered, uh, exposure to content that children shouldn't be exposed to, data collection issues. I'd say that's that's what I've been talking about more, more most recently. Wow. And, and tell us a little bit about how you do social media for your company. What platforms do you like? And I know that you post a lot of reviews, which I think is it's a, a great idea if you've got a, a good review to post it, because it's from someone else's perspective. And so anyway, congrats on all those. I love reading them. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'd say don't, don't be afraid to ask. Uh, your, to your point, we live in an era where now it's all about third-party validation. And to the extent you can get that, it's a lot better than, than you saying you do certain things. Right. Uh, um, what else do I do? I like to be top of mind by posting content also that's relevant to my practice areas. So I scour or have law clerks help me scour the internet for articles related to revenge porn or trademark disputes or defamation disputes. It's practice areas that topics relevant to safer laws practice areas and then populate my twitter facebook linkedin uh i'm missing one but instagram handles with with that content so it's not no real work on my end i'm just curating content and then reposting it just so that people see my name and see the topic and say okay dahlia posted something about trademark law that's right she's a trademark lawyer or that's right she handles non-compete issues or whatever it might be yeah, it really reinforces your reputation and it really focuses the attention on what you're good at. So, yeah, it's a really good idea. What uh, social platform is the best for your company right now? Um, well, I think the two would be the LinkedIn as a, as a business and then really the, the Facebook. I know Facebook's become the dinosaur of social media, but that's where I've accumulated my, my contacts, my clients, and it is the platform where the 
older generation, sadly, I'm one of those, is, is on. Uh, I try to be relevant on some of the other platforms, but the people who are hiring me end up being on on Facebook for me because that's mm-hmm. where they're that's where they spend their free time and then if they see my name there I actually get a lot of clients from people in my network and somewhat expanded network because I catch them not not in the work setting not you know in front of their inbox or when they're doing something for work I would say on LinkedIn yeah exactly that's a really great combo and and what whatever you think of Facebook people are still there you know yes. and they're going to be there so in, in the groups yeah, and I think the Facebook groups really are, is a great place also to network. It is. And you've done some events too. You're probably not doing them with COVID, but I know you used to have some really interesting events. Yeah, where you brought I love, other yeah it's time to slowly bring them back. We, you know, uh, yeah, I like to have my, my, my holiday party, bring all my clients <laughs> into one room. And that's always fun to see these crazy connections. People who would never, never otherwise be in the same world or sphere kind of hang out, merge at my party. Uh, yeah. We do a lot of seminars and we partner with other service providers to bring valuable content that would help businesses, not just with legal issues, but maybe with, I don't know, PR issues or payment processing or whatever, whatever the other business um, help they might need. Yeah, it's always good. Then you cross pollinate and you reach more people. So, exactly. so that's great. So um, yeah, just to sum it up, I mean, whether you're starting your business or your business has been around for a while, your company is really there to help with all the legal issues and really make it a stronger company in so many ways. We try. That's, that's our motto. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, I ask everyone for a word of the day. What would you say your word of the day is today? Chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> Okay, what kind of chocolate? Uh, you know, I, I, I have all sorts of chocolate that kind of make their way to my desk, but that's, I try not to eat too much of it. But yeah, you know, like sugar, sugar, and I need to cut back on it, but I need a little sugar in my day to get, to get my day going. Yeah, well, who doesn't? Yeah, it's supposed to be good for you. That's what they say anyway. The dark so. chocolate, I guess, yeah. Yeah, it is. So where can people find you online? I'm on Saper Law, the website saperlaw.com, and my socials are all some variation of Saper Law, if not just at Saper Law. Yeah, and that's S-A-P-E-R. Correct. So, right, right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I mean, it's always fascinating to talk to you about law. That's something that people don't really look into. They just assume they're doing things right. And uh, having talked to you, we've learned what to do and not to do when sharing content. We've talked about what to do and not to do when you have an FTC disclosure. And we've talked about how to trademark. I mean, my gosh, you've given us a whole business building law practice 101 and maybe even a 201 course here in a few minutes. So... And there's more content on Saper Law. So I have videos on there explaining some of these issues, some um, Mm -hmm. FAQs. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to to tell us about before we take off? No, I think we did a good survey of all the top hot topics for now. And if anyone has additional questions, they should feel free to reach out. Okay. Well, thanks again uh, to Dahlia Saper for joining us today. Go visit Saper Law, S-A-P-E-R law.com. And I can tell you, she's a lot of fun to know and work with. I've sent clients to her and everyone is happy and uh, she's very creative. And I'm just really glad we got to spend some time together. Thanks, Barbara. You're welcome.